Alrighty, Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. And today, technically it's not a part five of my message that I've been doing the last month, but it's connected one way or another, especially to the last one. It's called, By Their Fruits You Shall Know Them. By Their Fruits You Shall Know Them. So I want to start by asking a rhetorical question. Is your calling shell or substance? Is your calling shell or substance? Have you ever gotten like a uh, shell of a nut, maybe a walnut or a pistachio? I like pistachio nuts. And then you, you're working to open it up and you can't wait and you pop it open and there's nothing there. You know, it's empty. And that's what I'd like everybody to be asking. Is your calling just simply a shell or is there substance to it? I want to start in Matthew 7. Starting in verse 13. Going through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many are the ones entering through it. But narrow is the gate. And constricted is the way that leads into life. And few are the ones finding it. But beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. But inside they are plundering wolves. From their fruits you shall know them. Do they gather grapes from thorns or figs from thistles? So every good tree produces good fruits, but the corrupt tree produces evil fruits. A good tree cannot produce evil fruit, nor corrupt tree produce good fruit. Every tree not producing good fruit is cut down and is thrown into the fire. Then surely from their fruits you shall know them. It will not be that just everyone who says to me, Master, Master, will enter into the kingdom of heaven but the ones who do the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Master, Master, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name cast out demons, and in your name do many works of power? And then I will declare to them from everlasting, I never knew you, depart from me, those working lawlessness. Then everyone who hears these words from me and does them, I will compare him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain came, and the floods came up, and the winds blew, And fell against that house. But it did not fall. For it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine. And does not do them. He shall be compared to a foolish man. Who built his house on the sand. And the rain came down. And the floods came up. And the winds blew. And beat against the house. And it fell. And great was the collapse of it. So. Again. One of the things I love about this scripture is that you can use it in any situation in your life. By their fruits, you will know them. You know, at times something happens and you're not sure of something, but by their fruits, you will know them. So we're seeing here, a good tree can't bring bad fruit, a bad tree can't bring good fruit. The last month we've been talking about, especially last week, sons of light and sons of darkness. Uh, Last night we were doing the study on the gifts of the Spirit, or actually the fruit of the Spirit. And like I've always said, The gift is an outward manifestation of the fruit. If you have the fruit, the gift is going to happen. That's the experience of it. You know, it's like somebody who is a great carpenter. You know, the the fruit is that he has all these skills. And then the gift is when he builds the house. But he can't build the house if he doesn't have the ability to do it. So you need the fruit first. The fruit is the thing that is giving you the ability. And then once the fruit is there, Yahweh's spirit is not barren. So that fruit will manifest itself in your life 
And then what will come out? The gifts. The gifts will come by the fruit. And that's why we need to be striving for the fruit. Because if you have the fruit, you will not be barren, like it says in uh, the book of Peter. Galatians 5 and verse 14. Galatians, the fifth chapter, verse 14. Because there's not only righteous fruit, but there's also worldly fruit. You know, there's fruit of all different kinds. Galatians 5 and verse 14. For the whole Torah is fulfilled in one word in this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Great scripture. We're going to talk about a lot about that today. But if you bite and devour one another, beware that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, if you walk in the spirit, the lust of the flesh will not overtake you. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are opposed to one another. So you are not able to do as you desire. We've talked a lot about this. The two spirits that are there. The spirit of Satan, the spirit of Yahweh. But if you are led by the spirit, you know, the Holy Spirit, you are not under the penalty of breaking the Torah. Now the works of the flesh are clearly revealed, which are adultery, impurity, uncleanness, lustfulness, idolatry, witchcraft, enmity, fighting, jealousies, anger, rivalries, stubbornness, divisions, heresies. These are a lot of things you see in the congregation, at least in religion, not necessarily the world. Envies, murders, drunkenness, reveling, and things like these of which I tell you beforehand, as I said before, that the ones practicing such things will not inherit the kingdom of Yahweh. So again, when you're looking at by their fruits, you will know them. Like I said, there's not only good fruit. Fruit by itself is not necessarily meaning that it's good. There's good fruit and there's bad fruit. That's why when you go to the market, you try to pinch the fruit, right? Because you want to see, is it a good fruit or a bad fruit? And sometimes, as we're seeing sometimes with the mangoes, they look really good and then you open them up and they're, they're already overripe inside. So this is why sometimes when you see pastor, priest, rabbi, senator, they're titles that mean nothing if you are exhibiting fruits of the flesh in your life. This is why so many priests and pastors and politicians are caught in sexual sins, money laundering, lying, stealing, because their job title is nothing but a means to get what they want. That's all it is. It means absolutely nothing. Living to the flesh, the accidents are inevitable. So for someone to say, oh, he's a Catholic priest, how could he have done that? You know, or he's, he's a rabbi, how could he do that as a rabbi? If you're exhibiting the fruit of the flesh, the, the title means zero, it means nothing. And I think politicians, we see it the worst with. You know, if you look in the United States right now, although the President of the United States doesn't have a very high approval rating, but it's still not so bad, close to 50%, but the Congress... The politicians, they have a rating of like 14% positive, you know, and 80% negative. That's not a very good rating. And it's sad because these are the very people that actually your title should mean something. You know, when your title, it's a job description, and you should be proud of it no matter what your job description is. Sometimes even I've had people that were janitors, you know, and on the Outset, you might think, oh, what does a janitor do? He's sweeping floors, cleaning floors. You know, but I've had janitors tell me, I am 
an environmental engineer because they're cleaning the environment and they're proud of their job. They're doing it good. They're trying to do the best they could. Let's go to 2 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy 3, starting in verse 1. Like I said, if you are living to the fruit of the flesh, the actions are inevitable. It doesn't matter what your title is or isn't. It's inevitable. 2 Timothy 3. But know this, in the last days, disastrous times will be upon us. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, braggarts, arrogant, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, wicked, without natural feeling, addicted to lust, slanderers, without self-control, savage, haters of good, traitors, hasty, boasters, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of Elohim, having a form of righteousness but denying the power of it, even turn away from these. That's why we see, we see in organized religion, we see in, 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 in so-called Christianity, you know, millions upon millions of people, but their lives are not exhibiting the fruits of Yahweh's spirit doing it. End time people, loving self, Loving money to get self-pleasure, gratification. Human nature is 100% selfish. If you're living to it, you will 100% exhibit fruits of the flesh guaranteed. So that's why, as we're talking about it, it's so important to be fighting against yourself, denying your human nature, surrendering to Yahweh. Because they're so contrary to each other. But sometimes in these gray areas, maybe at times in history, it was hard to see it because it was gray area. Today, we see it very clearly. The fruits of the flesh, the fruits of the spirit. You could see the manifestation on both ends of it. And it's scary to see it as we're getting closer to the end times. 2 Corinthians 5.20 Then on behalf of Messiah, we are ambassadors. As Yahweh is exhorting through us, we beseech on behalf of Messiah, be reconciled to Yahweh. So now we're not the world. We're not the people out there. We're not false religious. You know, We're not just trying to take a title upon ourselves. But there is a title that has been given to us. The title of Ambassadors for Yahweh. Everybody here has been to our program. You know, Ambassadors for Israel teaching that. So what is it? You know? Does Ambassador of Yahweh mean the same thing as Senator does for most of the guys in the Senate? Does it mean the same for most of the rabbis that are stealing and robbing and everything else? Does it mean the same for all of these pastors out there? You know, that are lying and robbing to the people and building kingdoms from themselves? You know, what does it mean? As ambassador of Yahweh, do you wear it proudly as a representative of Yahweh to bear fruit for his kingdom? By their fruits you will know them. Or does it really mean nothing? You know, does it mean the same that it means to these other ones? Galatians 5.14, we read it before, I'll just read it again. Now for the whole Torah is fulfilled in one word in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And we know from the nine gifts, the nine fruits of the Holy Spirit, love is the heart. It's interesting how, you know, in, in this world that we, we say that, you know, that love is from the heart. But when you really think about it, the heart is just a muscle. The heart just pumps. The heart doesn't have any kind of manifestation. So why would love be, be connected with the heart? Because that's where everything comes from. From your heart, that's the strongest muscle. That's what's pumping the blood and the life is in the blood. Everything in your body works through the heart. It's like the engine in a car. And it's the same with love. As we're going to see that love is the binding tie of the fruits of the Spirit. Love is the binding tie of the fruits of the Spirit. 
love your neighbor as yourself, is 100% against the fruits of the flesh. When you look at the fruits of the flesh, everything is towards self-gratification, self-love, self-pleasure. You know? Being a proudful and, and arrogant and all these other things. It's the total opposite, 100% opposite of loving your neighbor as yourself. But you know, loving your neighbor as yourself, it's not natural. It's completely unnatural. And that's why, praise Yahweh, that Yeshua said, I will send another, a comforter. And not only will he lead you into all truth, but it will transform your life. So now we're going from the unnatural you know, which is unnatural in the flesh, into the natural, into the spirit. Because in Yahweh's realm, if you went up to the heavenly host right now, and you saw all the cherubs and the 24 elders and everybody else, everybody loves their neighbor as themselves. There is no tendencies of the flesh there. There's nothing like that. So this is what we have to decide. You know, like I said, ambassadors of Yahweh, what does it mean? Is it just another title? Or do we want to live as he's saying? By their fruits you will know them. So it's not what you're going to say as we're going to see from this message. It's what you do. It's what you do. Ephesians 5, in verse 25. Because what I really want to show today is that the Laodicean spirit, we're living in the times of the Laodicean. Overall, that's the overall spirit. You see it everywhere. You see it. With Sabbath keepers, you see it in Christianity. With Sunday keepers, you see it everywhere. But it doesn't matter whether you're a Sabbath church or whether you're the Catholic church. Everywhere in the world, and not just in religion, we know it's also happening in government and other things, that the Laodicean spirit is ruled by the people. And one of the greatest examples we've seen recently is Egypt. You know, for whatever it is, 40, 50 years, Egypt is run by a, a dictator that is holding them at bay. And then in this Laodicean spirit, the people are tired of it. Millions come to the streets. We want democracy. We want to rule ourselves. They fight. They're killing. How many hundreds die? They arrest the Mubarak and put him in prison for the death of these people. They have free and fair elections. And they elect a guy, and then the year they say, we don't like him. They go to the streets again, killing each other. We'll rip them apart. Bring them out. We want to kill them. You know, it's like in, in ancient Rome. Thumbs up or thumbs down. The military comes, they remove the president. You know, that's, that's their form of democracy. But it's Laodicean. It's ruled by the people. And in, in, in the uh, Sabbath-keeping churches, you have the same today. You have the majority of people saying, we don't need pastors, we don't need anybody, we're going to rule ourselves. The Holy Spirit teaches us, I'll never follow a man. And we're going to see today, it's, 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 it's 100% totally contrary to the spirit of Yahweh. And you'll know them by their fruits. It's that simple. So if you love your neighbors yourself, you need a neighbor to love. You know, if you're in the corner of your house, you know, like I say, if you're in your basement in your underwear eating potato chips typing on a computer, there's nobody to love there. You know, there's nobody to love. You have to be part of something. You have to be part of something bigger. You need to be part of a fellowship. And it doesn't have to be a big fellowship, but it needs to be a fellowship. We're two or three gathered, there I am also. So what is it? How can you love your neighbor as yourself if you've moved yourself away from the body of Messiah? Proverbs 18.1, he who separates himself seeks his own desire. And that's what we're going to see today. You'll know them by their fruits. Is our fruit toward the desire of loving my neighbor as myself? That I want to be there so I can love other people? Or is it removing myself from my own selfish ambitions? 
And that's what we'll see, because it's all tied into fruit. When you look at the nine fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering, they're all with outward concern toward others, not with inward concern toward myself. That in inward concern toward myself is toward the fruits of the flesh. It's toward building my own kingdom. It's making my own thing. It's being separated and just having my own pleasure coming out of it. Ephesians 5, in verse 25. Husbands, love your wife, even as Messiah also loved the congregation and gave himself up on behalf of it. So like we were saying, whenever you look at judicial order, it's always voluntary and reciprocal. Husbands love the wives, wives submit to the husbands. You know, children obey your parents, parents don't provoke your children. You know, slaves obey your masters, masters, you know, don't mistreat your slaves. It's, it's always voluntary and reciprocal. That he might sanctify it, cleansing it by the washing of the water of the word. That he might present it to himself as the glorious congregation. Not having stain or wrinkle or any such things, but that it be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their wives as their own body. Love your neighbor as yourself. Do we look at our spouse as our neighbor? He loving his wife loves himself. So then no one hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. Even also, as our master does the congregation. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. So now he's using the example of a husband and wife, but he's talking about the whole congregation. He's talking about the congregation here, that the congregation is, number one, totally dependent on Yahweh, but co-dependent on each other. That we're all part of one body. You know, that one is the pinky, one is the toe, one is the earlobe. We're all part of one body, so we're dependent on each other. No one would ever say, you know what? I'm tired of this earlobe. It's doing nothing for me. i got to clean it every day. Yeah, let me just cut it off. Yeah, try it. Cut off your earlobing. You know what? You'll find out what will happen. You'll have no equilibrium anymore. The earlobe is what gives you the equilibrium of your body. So that's what the point is. That we are codependent on each other. Yahweh made it that way. And that's why we have different fruits and we have different gifts. And if we want the sanctuary of Yahweh to be built, as we're all living stones, then each of us need to come together and we need to surrender to each other in love. In love. And as we're going to see today, love is the complete opposite of those fruits of the flesh that we're seeing. Selfish ambition. Holding my own. I'll never follow somebody. That's not love. That's not love, and it's certainly not the fruit of Yahweh's Spirit. Do we really believe that we are members of one another? Do we really believe we need each other to function? Let's go to 1 Corinthians 12. Kind of the core when you're doing a message like this. 1 Corinthians 12, I'm going to start in verse 4. And there are diversity of gifts, but there is only one Spirit. See, that's the point. That Yeshua had the fullness of the Spirit, and He had all the gifts, and He had all the fruits, and He had everything else. Because He's the Creator. He's the Son of Elohim, and Elohim Himself. But for us, we have only a down payment of the Spirit. So we don't have every fruit and every gift. So we're dependent on each other. There are diversity of ministries... Yet Yahweh is united. And there are diversity of powers, but the same Elohim is working all things in all. 
And to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit as a help to him. For through the Spirit is given to one a word of wisdom, to another a word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another workings of power, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of languages, and to another interpretation of languages. But the one in the same spirit works all these things, distributing separately to each as it wills. So Yahweh decides by his spirit how he wants to do this, and why in many cases does someone have the gift of language, but not the gift of interpretation, to prove our dependency on each other. Keep us humble and prove our dependency on each other. Even as the body is one, you see, it's not, it's not a thousand different bodies, everyone doing their own thing, everyone deciding what's right in their own eyes. The body is one. We're united. We're coming together as one. And as many members, but all the members of the one body being many or one body, so is Messiah. And I'm telling you, in the Laodicean era, whatever you focus on becomes most real to you. In an era where you're not going to see this out in the world. Remember the new norm we've been talking about? Homosexuality is, 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 is a lifestyle choice. Abortion is a woman's right to choose. You know the new norm they're telling us get used to? Well, this is the norm in the Laodicean congregation. The norm is we don't need anybody. You know, go on your internet. That's all you need. Come up with whatever you want to do. Bring your own doctrine. Bring your, your own case. But that's not the Bible norm. The same way the Bible norm is, is family values. Bringing our children up in the Torah. And it never changes. The Bible norm is, like it or not, we are dependent on each other. That to love your neighbor as yourself, you've got to have a neighbor. And if you separate yourself, you can't love your neighbor as yourself. It's impossible. Because we're one body. There's many members, but there's only one body. Verse 13. For also, we all were baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Aramaeans, whether slaves or free, even all were given to drink into one spirit. For also, the body is not one member, but many. If a foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body. On account of this, is it not of the body? And if the ear says, because I am not an eye, I am not of the, the body. On account of this, is it not of the body? If all the body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If all were hearing, where would be the spelling? That's why we said we don't cover each other's gifts. We don't say, I wish I had his gift. We enhance our gift because our gift is needed as everybody else's gift. And that's why when we come together, we use our gift. You use your gift. They use their gift. And then the sanctuary of Yahweh is built. And if the body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If if all hearing, where would be the smelling? But now Elohim set the members, each one of them, in the body, even as it pleased him. But if all was one member, where would the body be? You know? It's like cartoons as a kid. You used to see this cyclops, just an eye, walking around. You know? What if, what if we were all just an eye? You know? Then we wouldn't be able to hear. We wouldn't be able to eat. That's why we have five senses. Five, the number of grace. You know? Taste, touch, smell, see, hear. And we need all of them to bring the grace of Yahweh together. But now indeed, many are the members but one body. And the eye is not able to say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. But much rather, the members of the body seeming to be weaker are necessary. And those of the body we think to be less honorable, to these we put more abundant honor around them. And our uncomely members we dress with greater care. But our comely parts have no need for attention. 
But Elohim tempered the body together, giving more abundant honor to the member having need. Like I said, sometimes it's that person who may be blind or crippled who has the strongest faith. Because I don't know if I have the faith to be blind or crippled. But it's a way to get everybody together. It's a way to unify. You know, recently we had a horrible thing happen in the Philippines and a family's house was burned down. Terrible tragedy. But I think if you could look at something good, if anything good come, come out of that where you have two of your children die, the fact that the brethren come together and everybody wants to serve and give is proof of it, of the one body. You know, that we, when we rejoice, we rejoice together. When we suffer, we suffer together. Verse 25, but that there be no division in the body, but that the members might have the same care for one another. But if one member is in pain, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. So again, we see this codependency we have. And you are the body of messiahs and members in your respective places. So the body of Messiah is fully dependent on Yahweh and codependent on each other. It's very simple. So anybody, and it doesn't matter where it is in the world or where you're going to meet them, because like I said, we're living in a world now where you don't have to be part of congregations. You could just go to conferences or go to whatever, and you're going to have all these people coming out bringing their wares. And the ironic part is the very people that will say, don't follow a man, you don't need elders, you don't need anybody, are the same ones that are going to give you a paper of something that they're trying to promote. So it's, it's hypocrisy that's coming, but it's not the Philadelphian. You know? When you look at the Philadelphian, the one that Yahweh is protecting through these end times, who are they? Philadelphia means brotherly love. It's the ones that have the real love of Yahweh. And like I said, that's the heart of the gifts of the Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit is the true love of Yahweh. Verse 28, And Elohim placed some in the congregation. So now he's talking about our dependency, and now he's going to put it in order. Firstly, apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly, teachers, then works of power, then gifts of healing, helps, leaders, speakers of different languages. So not that he's saying these people are better or more important but he's saying, before we can work as a unit, before we can be codependent on each other, there has to be judicial order. You know why? Because there's going to be worldly people there. Because there's wheats and there's tares. And Satan has put people in the congregation that are going by the fruits of the flesh and not the fruit of the Spirit. So unless you have people there in leadership that are, that, that are going to keep these wolves out, that are going to keep judicial order, you'll never have unity in the body. And I'll tell you something, in 30-something years as a believer, I've never once seen it worked out in any congregation, big or small, without leadership. I remember when all of this started in the mid-90s, when people were coming out of organized religion and coming into these home fellowships, and I'd have people tell me, oh, no, 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 our, our fellowship is going great. We don't need leaders. Maybe for a few months, maybe for a few years. But inevitably, they all break up. Because the first time somebody's coming in with uh, Sabbath is on Tuesday, or Yeshua didn't pre-exist, or whatever other weird stuff they're going to come up with. Unless you have leadership to combat it, what's going to happen? Because the brethren, a lot of times, they don't have the wisdom or discernment or the gift of it to understand it. So inevitably, in a room of 20 people, that person bringing the heresy, so many will go with him, and so many will be on the other side. And then you have a split. And that's why Yahweh has to put leadership there to keep these things, to keep order in the body of Messiah. Let's go to Ephesians 4. See a little bit about this. Ephesians 4 and verse 10. 
He came down, he that came down, Yeshua, is the same that went up above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And indeed, he, Yeshua, has assigned some to be apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some shepherds and teachers. Exactly what we just read. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Messiah. So he's not saying these people are more important, as we just read. He said the, 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 the most uncomely are the ones you lift up. But what he's saying is, it's the first in order, because you need judicial order. And in order to have judicial order, you need a judge. Or there's no judicial order. You know, if you go into a courtroom and there's no judge, and there's only two lawyers fighting each other, what's going to happen? It's going to get pretty ugly pretty quick. You need a moderator. You need somebody up there who can keep order. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Messiah. Until we all may come to the unity of the faith of the full grown of the Son of Elohim, full grown knowledge of the Son of Elohim, to a full grown man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Messiah, that we may no longer be children, being blown and carried by every wind of false doctrine of men, who through their craftiness are very skillful in deceiving the people. And to be honest with you, some of these things I look at, you say, and I mentioned this before with the Lunar Sabbath, why for years did I never even put a message together on it? Because I thought, this is so ridiculously ridiculous. <laughs> so, you know, you'd have to be a lunatic, no pun intended, to follow that. Who on earth can believe that? When you see that the, the Sabbath is the seventh, the seventh, the seventh, the seventh, and then you're going to come and tell me, hey, this month it's Tuesday, next month it's Thursday. It's such a ridiculous argument, you can't imagine that anyone can fall for it. But then through the years, you actually see thousands of people are falling for it. And you know why? Because I'll never follow a man. Certainly wasn't an angel who wrote the lunar Sabbath. It was a man. It was a man who wrote the, the heresy of that doctrine. So like I say, ultimately you'll always follow the man. The key is, will you follow the men of Yahweh or are you going to follow the, 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 the men of Satan, the fruits of the flesh or the fruits of the spirit? Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love, we may grow up into him in all things who is the head, the Messiah. So again, it doesn't mean that leadership or ordination makes anybody any better than anybody else. But he lists it first there because of judicial order. That you have to have structure, like it says in Corinthians 14, 34. Do all things with structure and in an orderly fashion. You know, I was part of a home fellowship when I first came out of the organized religion. And they were so much that they didn't want to follow anything that they wouldn't even give a time to meet. No, if we say we'll meet at 10 o'clock, then we're restricting ourselves. So just come whenever you want to. You want to know something? We didn't get much done. And most of the Sabbath was just sitting there talking about secular things. Because we can't have a Bible study, because then we're going to be listening to a man. But the men will sit there all day talking about work and cars and worldly things. See, it's the Laodicean spirit. This is why it says, how, how look what he says. So that we may no longer, verse 14, be children being blown and carried by every wind of false doctrine of men who through their craftiness are skillful in deceiving the people. And unfortunately, with the internet and all these things we have today, Satan is very skillful in deceiving the people. And a lot of people just are not grounded enough to understand it. So Yahweh puts elders and leaders that are grounded, you know, that have his spirit to protect the brethren from it. So that the body can work together. So that we all can work together. And again, 
We have to test the spirits like we were talking about. Because there's people that will say, I'm ordained or I'm a leader of Yahweh. A leader of Yahweh is one that will enhance the spiritual gifts of others. Not suppress them. You know, it's not about putting a thousand people in a room and one man gets up on the bima and it's a one-man show. One-man band. You know, I'm going to sing the monica, I'm going to play my guitar, I'm going to dance over here. No, each person has a gift. Maybe you play the guitar, maybe you play the piano, maybe you sing, maybe I hold your microphone. We all work together. We all come together surrendering to Yahweh by His Spirit, which we all have the same Spirit. And then those gifts that are in us will be manifest. The fruit will manifest first, and then the gift will just come out from the outward manifestation of it. And wow, miracles will happen and the world will be turned upside down. And that's exactly what happened in the first century. That's what happened when the apostles were going out. That's what happened when Paul was writing these epistles. And it not only can happen today, it will happen today, it is happening today, and it will happen in a greater manifestation when the people of Yahweh embrace this. When they understand it and yield to His Spirit and come to one loving their neighbor as themselves. Loving their neighbor as themselves. And believe it or not, I've seen congregations break up over something as simple as coffee or tea. You know? Or uh, the timing that you're going to do something. Do we sing the songs first or do we do the Torah reading first? That's not loving your neighbor as yourself. You know, like I always say, flexibility without compromising. You know, if there's a reason why, you know, there's families that are coming from far and they have little children and they can't meet at 9 o'clock in the morning. So why not love my neighbor as myself and surrender to them and say, hey, you know what? We'll meet at 2 in the afternoon. You know? And that's what the point is. The point is that we surrender to each other because our needs are differently. And when one, one member suffers, they all suffer. When one is happy, they're all happy. So why don't we submit to each other in all things? Why don't we love each other, love our neighbors ourselves? And like I said, there's one spirit. So when it comes to doctrine and these other things, the one spirit is going to teach us and we have leadership to, to endorse it. And then the body is going to work. But when there's friction in the body, it's not going to work. It's not going to work when there's friction in the body. 1 Timothy 2. I want to go over one more point before we move on here. Just the fact that women are not put in that position of leadership or ordination. 1 Timothy 2, starting in verse 5. For Yahweh is one, and also there is one mediator of Elohim and of man, of men, the man Yeshua Messiah. The one having given himself a ransom on behalf of all the testimony to be given in its own time. Of which I was appointed a herald and apostle. I speak the truth in Messiah. I do not lie. A teacher of the nations in faith and truth. Therefore, I desire the men to pray in every place, lifting up holy hands without anger and doubting thoughts. So also the women to adorn themselves in proper clothing and modesty and sensibleness, not with plating or gold or pearls or expensive garments, but what becomes women professing fear of Elohim through good works. You'll know them by their fruits. Let a woman learn in silence in all subjection. But I do not allow a woman to debate publicly, nor to usurp the authority of a man, but to be in silence. For Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived has come to be in transgression. Yet she shall live by means of her children if they continue in faith and love and holiness in chastity. So this is what we see. More of this judicial order. 
And of course, in Christianity, they don't keep this. They have women taking the role of leadership. They have women pastors, women ministries, and all this other stuff, which we know will never work. You'll never come to this unity of the faith if the judicial order is upside down. And I do say I think sometimes that some women misunderstand, that they think as long as they're teaching women, it's okay. But let me read this verse again, verse 12. And I do not allow a woman to debate publicly to you or to usurp the authority of a man but to be in silence. Women would not sit in the seat of Moses. And the seat of Moses is not just on Shabbat day. The seat of Moses is a symbolic seat, meaningly that the man is the one who has the authority to preach the Torah and the responsibility to preach the Torah. So a woman, even if it's a room full of women would not be sitting in the seat of Moses preaching the Torah. That's not her place. It's not her place. So does that mean there's no place for a woman to teach? Well, we see here, yes, she shall live by means of her children if they continue in faith and love and holiness and chastity. So number one, we see that the woman does have the responsibility of teaching and raising their children. A great responsibility. Unbelievable that the, the very women that have fought me the worst on not being Torah teachers are the same ones that won't teach their children. I've seen women here in Israel that children are back home somewhere. Young children. And they leave them to the world and they're going to come here and they're a prophetess of Yahweh. Not true. Not true. You'll know them by their fruits. A woman wants to be a teacher of Yahweh at the Wailing Wall and she's got two kids, young kids that are back home that she's not caring for. You'll know them by their fruits. Titus 2 and verse 1. says, but you speak things which become sound doctrine. Drop down to verse 3, Titus 2 and verse 3. Teach the older women likewise to behave as becomes the worship of Elohim, not false accusers, not being enslaved by much wine, but to become teachers of good things. So, apparently a woman can teach, because it says that they are to be teachers of good things. So what should they be teaching? That they might train the young women to be modest, to love their husbands and their children, to be discreet, chaste, good homemakers, good obedient to their own husbands, so that the word of Yahweh will not be blasphemed. So yes, women can be teaching. We've had many women in our school that had the gift of teaching. But their gift is not to be used for opening up the Torah. Let's go to Deuteronomy 14 and teaching Torah classes to other women. Because they're usurping the authority of a man when they do that. Whether the man is there or not. And some of them have said, well, the pastor gave me this authority. He never had the authority to give. Yahweh is the one who gives the authority. All authority comes from him. And Yahweh never gave the woman the authority to be a Torah teacher. They're usurping the authority when they do that. So if they do have the gift of teaching, use it within judicial order. Teach women how to be good wives, how to be good mothers, how to be good keepers at home. So you can take a study like the gift of the spirits. And if you, a woman is a teacher and she's teaching in a room full of women, she could be teaching how to use those nine gifts to be a better mother, to be a better wife, to be a better sister in the congregation. It's woman-type teachings toward women subjects. And that's the way it is. Let's go back now to Corinthians. Corinthians 12. Verse 29. 
great book, a great chapter, all on spiritual gifts. So we see, like I said, the fruits of the Spirit lead to the gifts of the Spirit. Corinthians 12, verse 29. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of power? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in different languages? Do all interpret? Like we said, why do we need each other? Because we all have different gifts. But if you are searching after the greater gifts, anybody here searching after the greater gifts? Anybody here searching after the greater gifts? <laughs> I know I am. I will show you a more excellent way. Okay? So like I said, when you look at the Pentecostals, I always say, you know, because they want to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. Why aren't they raising the dead? You know, why aren't they healing the terminally ill? Why are they only falling on the floor and barking like a dog? Because that's the easiest thing to mimic. You know, easy to mimic a dog, but it's not easy to raise the dead. But I'm going to show you a more excellent way because we don't want to be searching after something that's demonic. We want to be searching after the greatest gift that Yahweh gives us so that when we're known by our fruit, we see where our fruit comes out of. Corinthians 13, starting in verse 1. If I speak with the tongues of men and cherubs, and I do not have love, I have become a sounding brass or a claiming cymbal. If I have all prophecies, and I know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, so as to move mountains, but do not have love in my heart, I have nothing. Wow. You're talking about miracles. Remember, many will come in my name saying, Master, I did this and I did this. And he'll say, I never knew you. So how can somebody do a miracle by this power of Yahweh if they don't have love? Well, look at Balaam. We see it. The spirit of Yahweh can come upon somebody. And they can do a great act. But if they have love, don't have love, they have nothing. If I give all my possessions to the poor, and if I surrender my body so that I may boast, but I do not have love in my heart, I am profited nothing. Love has patience, is kind. Love is not envious. Love does not make a vain display of itself and does not boast. It does not behave indecently, does not pursue its own things, just like we were talking about. Surrender to each other. Love your neighbor as yourself, which means surrender to your neighbor as yourself. It's not always getting your way. It's not pursuing your own thing. It is not easily provoked. Self-control. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. Love quietly covers all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Are we like that? When we hear something, are we running right away with gossip, 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 gossip? Or are we trying to cover it in love? Love never fails. But if there are prophecies, they will be caused to cease. If languages, they will cease. If knowledge, it will be caused to cease. So we see that even a lot of the gifts that are here today, it, they won't be necessary in the kingdom. You know, in the, in, in the kingdom, we know there will be one language. There will, you will need the gift of languages. Everyone will speak a pure language at that time. So although, not that we shouldn't be praying to Yahweh for Him to give us gifts so we can bear more fruit and do more work for His kingdom. But the key is, if we're not seeking the greatest gift, which is His love, then it's nothing. It's all vanity, you know. And there's a lot of people that actually do a lot of 
maybe which looks like magnificent things, but without the love of Yahweh, and it's accounted for nothing. It's accounted for absolutely nothing. True Elohim given agape, unconditional love, is the root that the Holy Spirit is in us. Because see, worldly love, just like it says worldly repentance, leads to sorrow, but Elohim repentance leads to eternal life. Because worldly repentance is sorry you got caught. It's not a remorse that you've went against Yahweh as your creator. In the same way, worldly love is, I love those who love me. That's what worldly love is. You treat me good, I'll treat you good. You wash my hand, I'll wash your hand. But Yahweh's love is, He loved us while we were still sinners. He loved us while we were vile and doing these things. But there's something that because He created us, and He has that true, unconditional love, that He saw something in us that can be manifested into the good. Do we have that love? Do we have that love? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious. The root of the Holy Spirit in us. Let's go back to verse 3. I want to just focus on verse 3, 4, 5 for a little bit here. If I give out all my possessions to the poor, and if I surrender my body so that I may boast, but I do not have love in my heart, I am profited nothing. You know, giving is good. Like I said, thank Yahweh for every single person. Yahweh, I pray a blessing on every single person who just gave to those people in the Philippines. But, if money is used as a weapon of self-righteousness, then it's worth nothing. And in the Laodicean era, I've seen it. I've seen people that have come to me, they want me to do something a certain way, and we'll give our tithe check. You don't, we're not giving it. And you know what? Put it in your pocket. I'm not a hireling. I'm not a prostitute. I take no salary. So, you know what? It's up to Yahweh what's giving because it's his money. So if you give a penny or you give a million dollars, you give nothing that's between you and Yahweh and that's your blessing to get or your blessing not to get. But don't think that you're going to prostitute me by your money. It ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. Because giving with the right heart, Yahweh loves a cheerful giver, is terrific. But if you're using money and believe me, I see it a lot in the West. If you're using money as a tool to try to get your way or manipulate something, then you're getting nothing from it. And I'll tell you, there was a man I knew several years back, really, really nice guy, that he used to give. He was very, very wealthy, and he used to give thousands of dollars helping the poor. And this guy had a sexual problem. And he literally told me that because he gives the money to help people, Yahweh will look the other way. Now he's not prostituting me because he wasn't even giving me the money. He's prostituting Yahweh. Can you imagine? Can you imagine thinking that? That Yahweh needs our money to the point that, that you're going to use sin as a bargaining block to the creator of the universe? I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And obedience, right? Obedience is better than sacrifice. And rebellion is just the sin of witchcraft. It's not the way it works. If I give out all my possessions to the poor and I surrender my body so that I may boast, but I do not have love in my heart, I have profited nothing. Don't judge by appearance, but judge by righteous judgment. You know, sometimes there's people who will give a million dollars to the hospital because they want their name on the wing. Yahweh says, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. And we give because we have love. We give because it's in our heart. We give because one of our brothers and sisters is hurting. And we love them as we love ourselves. 
We're not giving so people trumpet for us, so people say how great we are. And we certainly don't give as a bargaining tool to get something back from Yahweh. Verse 4. Love has patience, is kind. Love is not envious, does not make a vain display of itself. It does not boast. How many? How many do good works only because they want to be patted on the back? And like I said, as people of Yahweh, all of you have been through the ambassador program. We know as ambassadors of Yahweh, we want to show appreciation to people. We want to. We want to when someone does something good or somebody helps, we want to show because that's a characteristic of an ambassador, that you show appreciation. But as the one receiving it, it should never be necessary. Because there's one who's going to give us our reward. There's no man on this earth who's giving give us our reward. It's Yahweh. So we know whether people see or people don't see. It doesn't make a difference. Yahweh is recording everything. There's a book of life that's open. And every single thing we do, and that's part of faith. That we have faith that every single thing we do in faith to Yahweh will be recorded. But we don't want to make a vain display. And we don't want to boast. We don't need to be patted on the back. It's not to love. Verse 5. It does not behave indecently. Does not pursue its own things. Is not easily provoked. And thinks no evil. Does not pursue its own things. And this gets back to why the body needs each other. Why Yahweh has, you know, a congregation. Why he has Jerusalem as his headquarters. Why the people would come from all over Israel and come up to Jerusalem with their tithes. Because people were not pursuing their own things, but we're in, all of us, we're in something that's bigger than ourselves. And each of us have a position. Each of us have a role. Each of us have gifts to work toward the completing of this. If I'm just out there trying to do my own thing, you know, if it's only Don Esposito Ministries, then what good is it? Then I'm not pursuing the things of Yahweh. I'm pursuing the things of myself. How much time do we spend praying for the work of Yahweh? Like I said, recently we have a big, big upsurge in the website. Thousands of people coming every day to the website. And praise Yahweh. A lot of people asking for prayer. Nothing wrong with praying for your job or money or all these other things. But seek ye first the kingdom and these other things will be given. Very rarely do we get any prayer requests. We do sometimes. But we get at least five to one of somebody asking for more money than asking to pray for the elders in Jerusalem or, or pray for Yahweh's kingdom or... Or pray for his work. How much time praying for Yahweh? Do we tithe to support the work? Like I said, people have used tithes as a tool. They want to hold the tithe in their hand. They want to decide where they're going to send it. There's a letter a man sent me a, a little while ago. He said, I want to be in war, involved in this work you're doing from Jerusalem because I know it's from Yahweh. And he said, I was going to tell you, please use my tithe for Africa or here. And then he thought to himself, he said, I don't know what the needs are. So I trust in Yahweh that you'll use it for the right place. And it's true. What do we know? What do we know? You know, in the last year, our congregation, and it's not me because it's not my money. Every one of us is part of this. Every one of us has had the blessing that like when this family had two children die, that we can immediately get money to them. That the other elder, his wife, is, is, is dying. They had a center from the hospital in such pain that you can't imagine and we were able to get the money to get her back in the hospital to get what she needs so she's not suffering. We've had people's houses burned down. We've had people killed. People suffering. People needing things. 
And because of Yahweh's people who do believe in the tithe, we've been able to do it. We have no paid employees. So people don't have to be questioned. You know, well, there was a minister and he was using the money for a yacht and he was using the money. It ain't happening. Not one paid employee, not one penny to me or any other elder is coming out of that money. That money is going to help the brethren around the world, much of it to third world people in preaching this good news. That's all it's used for. So together, look what we can do. Together, this tiny little effort we're using is preaching the gospel to the world. And yet some people want to hold that tithe in their pocket. They want to decide. And you know what? I've seen it a lot, even at feast times, of people that come sometimes, and they lie to people, and they make it sound like things are bad, and they'll get money. And then later when you say, oh, no, no, that person's not even part of our congregation. He's done this before. We just heard at the, the Unity Conference, there was somebody there from India or something, saying he's working for me and asking for money. They're asking for money. They certainly ain't working for me. And what happens? Then they'll say, oh, well, they felt good, though, about it. At least I felt good that I gave him the money. When somebody else that really needed the money don't get it now. And that's the point of surrender to Yahweh, is not using your tithe that doesn't belong to you, but belongs to Yahweh as a tool. Using your tithe as a tool against Yahweh. Using your tithe, it's not love. Because love does not pursue its own. And that's why when we sacrifice to each other, when we love our neighbor as ourself, we're not pursuing our own. Pursuing our agenda. You know, like I said, there's people that we have meetings sometimes in America. or it, People will come, new people, we love everybody to come. We don't have a closed door policy. If you want to learn, you're not going to cause contention, please come. But there's people who come with a big stack of papers under their hand. And they're not coming to listen. They're not coming to learn. They're coming to bring something. They're coming to, to bring a doctrine. They're coming to... And you know what? That's not what we're here for. It's not love because they're pursuing their own. Being outside of Yahweh's judicial order is not pursuing love. We have to surrender to true love. And it's not easy because our human nature doesn't like it. But that's the point. The more we do it, the greater the Spirit can work in us. And the greater that it comes. Titus 1, 15 and 16. Because it also says, it thinks no evil. It's not easily provoked. It thinks no evil. Titus 1, 15 and 16. Truly all things are pure to the pure, but nothing is pure to those being defiled and faithless. But even their mind and conscience has been defiled. They profess to know Yahweh, but by their works they deny Him, and they are abominable and disobedient, condemning every kind of good work. We were talking a little bit about that yesterday. Jumping to conclusions. You know, saying things when we don't know the facts. It's not love. It's not love. Love thinks no evil. Love thinks no evil. All things are pure to the pure, but nothing is pure to those being defiled and faithless. So if we have true love, we're going to hold our tongue. We're going to wait for the facts. We're not going to prejudge people in the wrong way. 1 John 3 and verse 10. 1 John 3 and verse 10. children of Yahweh are distinguished from the children of the devil. Remember the fruits of the press, the fruits of the spirit. Here we go. By this, the children of Yahweh are distinguished from the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness 
All thy commandments are righteousness. And does not love his brother, does not belong to Elohim. Why is love the greatest gift? Because like it says, you could be casting out demons, you could be healing the sick. If you have not love, it's worth nothing. He does not belong to Elohim. Because this is the message which you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of the evil one and killed his brother. And for what did he kill him? Because his works were evil, but those of his brother were righteous. Remember, love is not envious. Sometimes we criticize, or we mock, or we say something bad about a brother or sister because we're jealous. We don't want to be like Cain. So be not surprised, my brothers, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. The one not loving his brother remains in death. Everyone hating his brother is a murderer. Just like Yeshua said. The law says you shall not murder. I said if you think angry with your brother, you murdered him. And you know that every murderer has no everlasting life abiding in him. By this we have known his love toward us because that one laid down his life for us. And on behalf of the brethren, we ought to lay down our life. But whosoever has worldly possessions and sees his brother in need and shuts up his mercy from him, how is the love of Elohim in him? How is the love of Elohim in him? And that's why I praise Yahweh, that the heart of Yahweh's people, when they see a real need, they want to help, they want to serve. My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. In deed and in truth. So again, when you judge them by their fruits, it's not what we're saying we will do, but it's what we actually do. You will know them by their fruits. Matthew 5 and verse 38 Matthew 5 and verse 38. You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I say to you, do not stand against the evil. But whoever strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him. Turn the other to him also. And to him desiring to sue you and take your coat, allow him also to have the cloak. And what, whoever will compel you to go one mile, go with him too. He asking you to give, and he wishing to borrow from you, do not turn away. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those cursing you, do well to those hating you, and pray for those who take you by force and persecute you, so that you may become sons of your Father in heaven, because he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those loving you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you only greet your brothers, what exceptional thing do you have? Do not the tax collectors do the same? Therefore you become perfect, even as your Father in Heaven is perfect. And the point of this is, that when you surrender to Yahweh, when you allow those fruits to come in your life, and like I said, the heart of it is love, what happens is, we become unhuman. Because human is Selfish, prideful, lifting up, everyone look at me. It's unhuman to do this. It's, it's, it's hardly human to love the ones who do good to you as yourself, without a motive. But to love your enemy, to love those who persecute you, it's, it's not human. But that's the point. We go to a point that's unhuman when we surrender to the Holy Spirit. When we allow the love of Yahweh, and people misinterpret they think when you hear love, it's one of those catchphrases. Ah, love. You know? Oh, he did all these things. We just loved him. We loved him. 
love isn't just letting someone get away with anything. Believe me, it's the hardest thing in the world when I have to ask somebody not to come back to the congregation. But I do it because I love them. And I know that if I allow the person to continue in sin and there's no repentance, I'm not showing love. Because ultimately that person will just get more hardened, 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 and then eventually never repent and wind up going to the lake of fire. So love is not always giving in. Love isn't always just allowing sin in your presence. Love is righteousness. Love is standing up for the commandments. And love is exhibiting them in, the life, in, in, in your life and others. But it also is when it's not about the commandments. When it's not about sin. It's just about something that you would rather have. I love coffee. I don't really drink tea. But if everybody was drinking tea, I'd drink a cup of tea. I don't have to have it my way. It's about surrendering your way to others for the betterment of everybody. Keeping peace in the congregation. And as ambassadors, that's what we know. Our greatest uh, job as an ambassador is a peacemaker. We want to bring peace in the congregation. So in arbitrary issues that aren't about sin, it's about surrendering. It's about trying to bridge the gap between maybe cultures. You know? But when it comes to sin, you have to be hard. Because that's love. That's love. 1 John 4 and verse 4. 1 John 4 and verse 4. Little children, you are of Elohim and have overcome them because he that is in you is greater than he in the world. Fruits of the flesh, fruits of the spirit. The spirit that is in us, the spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering, you know, kindness, goodness, meekness, faith, it's greater than that spirit of pride and selfishness and arrogance and all the other things. The spirit in us is greater than the spirit in the world. They are of the world because of this they speak of the world and the world hears them. We are of Elohim. The one knowing Elohim hears us. Whoever is not of Elohim does not hear us. From this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another. Because love is of Yahweh and everyone who loves has been generated from Elohim and knows Elohim. The one who does not love is not known Elohim. Because Yahweh is love. He is love. That's what his spirit is. It's a spirit of love. And like I say, it's the bloodline, it's the heart that goes out. So there's no way you could have all of those other fruits of the Spirit if you don't have love. By this was the love of Elohim toward us made known because Yahweh sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live by Him. And this is love, not that we loved Yahweh, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the atonement for our sins. Beloved, if Yahweh so loved us, we ought to love one another. He bought and paid for us. We're not our own anymore. And since every single person on earth Yahweh created, we want to serve them more, His children. Because everyone here and every person that's been immersed in the name of Yeshua has the spirit of Yahweh and is a child of Yahweh. So for my love for Yahweh, I want to serve His children because I love Him. No one has seen Yahweh the Father at any time. If we love one another, Elohim abides in us and His love is perfected in us. So how do we show to the world that says, well, what makes you different than anybody else? What makes this different than anybody else? Because like I just said, to love your enemies, to do kindness, it's unhuman. And that's where people will see it. So what do they see? Do they see our sacrifice and our love for each other? Or do they see us backbiting and devouring each other? That's what's showing. And the root, the, the root of it is the love of Yahweh. Surrendering our nature 
that like I said, is all the fruits of the flesh, to Yahweh, to have this real, pure love that's pure. To the pure, all things are pure. And to the love of Yahweh, all we see is purity because we see opportunities to serve, opportunities to help. And we're not assuming the worst, but we're praying for the best. By this we know that we abide in Him, and He in us because of the Spirit that He has given us. And we have beheld and bear witness that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Yeshua is the Son of Yahweh, Elohim abides in Him and He in Elohim. And we have known and have believed the love which Elohim has in us. Yahweh is love. And the one abiding in love abides in Elohim and Elohim in Him. By this love has been perfected with us. That we have confidence in the day of judgment. That as He is, we are also in the world. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. Because fear has torment and the one fearing has not been perfected in love. Because fear comes from worldly stuff. Fear comes in whatever. You know? The spirit of Yahweh can't be destroyed. The spirit of Yahweh is never hungry. The spirit of Yahweh doesn't, doesn't get tired. So if you're allowing that eternal spirit to live in you, you're going to have no fear. Fear is the opposite. Fear is the earthly side. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear has torment, and the one fearing has not been perfected in love. We love him because he loved us first. Praise Yahweh. If anyone says, I love Elohim and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one not loving his brother whom he has seen, how is he able to love Yahweh who he has not seen? And that's the thing. I'll never follow man. Don't follow man. I'm only following Yahweh. How can you follow Yahweh who you haven't seen? If you can't follow his servants, who he sent, as you have seen. And we have this commandment from him, that he who loves Elohim ought to also love his brother. And if we really love Yahweh, if we really have that relationship, if we really want to please him, who's up in heaven, and like I said on Father's Day, what do you give the guy who owns the universe? We can't give him anything because he owns it all. But we can love each other. Because some of his people that he created, some of his children that have his spirit, have nothing. Some of them don't even have food. And by helping those children, like we see in Matthew 25, when, Master, when did I visit you in prison? When did I give you food when you were hungry? As you did it to the least of my brothers, you did it to me. That's love. That we're not looking. And that's the thing that you can test yourself. If you're depressed because there's things that you don't have, if you're depressed and you're always thinking about, oh, I can't pay the rent, I can't do this, I don't... Then you don't have enough love. Because if you really have the love of Yahweh, your prayers are going to be, oh, Father, for those people in the Philippines. Oh, Father, for those Africans over here. Oh, for those Sudanese that are, that are getting hacked up. And then at the end, maybe one sentence. Oh, yeah, Father, you know what I need. Just give it to me. That's love. Love your neighbor as yourself. And I know in my personal case... Yahweh's blessed me beyond measure. I don't need anything. So I don't have to spend any time on myself. But I know there are brethren around the world who do need. And they don't pray for themselves. Like I said, I am amazed that some of these brethren, some of these leaders that I have known for years, have never talked about their own personal situation. And then as I visited, and I see sometimes the places they live, I hear about how they've lost children, how spouses have died. And they never once mentioned it when we were together. It's always the work of Yahweh, the work of Yahweh, the work of Yahweh. Because that's the love of Yahweh. It's about loving your neighbor as yourself. It's about caring for the other parts of the body of Messiah that are more comely, that need more help than caring about ourselves. 
Romans 7, verse 4. So then, my brothers, you also were made dead to the law through the body of Messiah for you to become another to the one raised from the dead so that we may bear fruit to Yahweh. You will know them by their fruit. For when we were in the flesh, the passions of sin were working in our members through the law for the bearing of fruit unto death. Like I said, there's two kinds of fruit. Rotten fruit that will give you a stomach ache and kill you, and good fruit that will give you eternal life. Tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and the tree of life. But now we have been set free from the penalty of the Torah, having died to that in which we were held, so as for us to serve in newness of spirit, and not in oldness of letter. Drop down to verse 21. I find therefore that the Torah agrees with my conscience when I desire to do good. But evil is always near distracting me. Human nature, spirit of Yahweh. For I delight in the Torah of Yahweh according to the inward man. But I see another law in my members having warred against the law of my mind and taking me captive by the law of sin being in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this mortal body? I thank Yahweh through Yeshua, Messiah, our Master. So then, I myself with the mind truly serve the Torah of Yahweh, and with the flesh, the law of sin. Spirit fights the flesh. And that's why the spirit of Yeshua 100% surrenders his will to Yahweh. And this is what we have to go into. Until the day that Yeshua returns and we shed these mortal bodies, and we are glorified spirit beings before him, we have to fight ourselves every single day. And like I said, the more you surrender, the more you're filled with the Spirit, the easier it gets. The easier it gets. But that's what we have to strive for. That's the better way. We saw all of those amazing gifts in Corinthians 12, yet there's a better way. And the better way is the love of Yahweh. That unconditional love that gives you peace of mind that surpasses all understanding, that doesn't seek your own things, that doesn't envy other things. The love of Yahweh that changes your life and fills you with everything that you need. Romans 8 and verse 12. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to flesh, you're going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the practices of the body, you will live. For as many are led by the Spirit of Yahweh, these are the sons or children of Yahweh. So we see, like I said, two types of fruit. Two types of fruit. Galatians 5, we're almost finished here. Galatians 5 and verse 22. Wives, submit yourself to your own husbands as to our master. Because a husband is the head. Oh, I'm in Ephesians. But wives still remember to do that. Might have been inspired. Just in case. Galatians 5. Sorry about that. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Very first one, the heart of these fruits. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, meekness, self-control. Against such things there is no instruction. But the ones belonging to Messiah crucified the flesh with its passions and lusts. Let us therefore live by the Spirit and surrender to the Spirit. If we are surrendering to the Holy Spirit in, every, in everything, these characteristics will be manifest in our life. You know, I've said this before, but the word hypocrite means actor. It's a Latin word. Hypocrite means actor. They're not real. They're playing a part. Are you a true spirit-led ambassador of Yahweh? 
or are you an actor? A hypocrite. Don't need to answer the question because by their fruits you will know them. We can't fool Yahweh. The last verse I want to leave is 1 John 3 and verse 18. My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. I love the scripture. By their fruits you will know them. Praise Yahweh. Let us all bear great fruit. Let us do so in love. And may the spirit, Yahweh's spirit of love, fall upon all of us in a way that we've never had in our life. And may we grow in that love every day of our life. Yahweh bless. Shabbat Shalom.